My name is Warren. I'll be a host for this evening, and thank you so much. And I want to see if we can open up with a happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween! Yay! Yeah. 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 We're eating candy, hanging out with each other, having a good time. This is uh, the second time we have recorded on a holiday. Could anybody name the first? I think Arbor Day. No. Oh, do we know that? I have no idea what Arbor Day is. March. Would you say it's an arbitrary day? Oh, Yikes. <laughs> terrible! Really anybody funny. else want to guess? <laughs> anybody else want to take a guess at when our first uh, holiday was? Fourth uh, of July. Nope. Wait, I was it Halloween drunk. last year? I don't know. We were false. We were pretty well. I was way too drunk. I was uh, born on the fourth of July. Our day was on is in April. April twenty eighth. We might have recorded on that. Valentine's Day, guys. Oh, because we're all lonely. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was Valentine's Day. I thought that was very funny. So uh, thanks for coming out. And uh, let's do a bit of a round circle before we get into our main feature of what we're talking about tonight. But uh, I'm here with my good friend, uh, Mike. How's it going, Mike? Yeah, what's happening, guys? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Take it from here. No, no. I thought I was the host, but it's okay. Uh, no, so let's uh, get into a, a little bit more of a theme kind of conversation of, you know, what's your either favorite movie, favorite Halloween movie, or favorite candy, and what are you drinking? All right, cool. So uh, I am drinking uh, Chianti uh, by, it begins with a G and it's Italian. We'll, we'll post it later. Um, it's, okay. I have no idea. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it anyways. But it has a knight on it, which I thought fit in well with, like, the HBO, how they have, like, another show that's about the Middle Ages, uh, which I was joking around saying it's the Tudors. Um, and then also it's Chianti, which fit well with Anthony Hopkins yeah. being in our main feature we, yep. for today's mm-hmm. today's podcast. Uh, I'd have to say my favorite candy, it, it fluctuates. I, I think most consistently, though, it's Milky Way. Big Big Milky Way fan. Mm. I'm not say bad choice on that one. Really? Oh, no, dude. I will take all... Actually, I got a good is story. Is it marshmallow? Is it marshmallow in there? Or the nougat? What's it? I, I, no, it's it's uh, nougat. And then, like, chocolate. And I don't even know what the middle part is. It's I actually like got a good a story. Fluffy chocolate. I love fluffy chocolate, though. It's not real. Uh, in terms of my favorite Halloween movie... It Thank you. 100% has to be Jason X. The one, dude, so, and so it goes this, and when I was in college, like, literally, we'd have a Halloween party every single year, and somehow, at the end of the Halloween party, it'd be, like, two or three in the morning after a full night of drinking, and we'd just throw on Jason X, and man, dude, watching that colonel fly through space, trying to, like, intercept Jason coming back on his little, like, rocket boosters is one of the greatest things, like, that movie is amazing. Yikes. Yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, we have Josh. Welcome back, Josh. How's it going, man? Hey. It's going uh, 
Talk to me about what you're drinking, your favorite uh, Halloween movie, and your favorite candy. Uh, I am drinking the uh, Shipyard Pumpkinhead, getting in the uh, spirit of Halloween. Um, if I had to go with a favorite candy, there are two that I pretty consistently like. I, I love me a good Kit Kat uh, and Almond Joys. Hmm. Nobody else likes okay. Almond Joys. Yeah. I love coconut. That, so, yeah, Mounds. Ugh. Mounds or Almond Joy. I like the crunch of the almond, so there. that's where I'm going to go. And mine, uh, my favorite Halloween movie might be a little obvious to uh, anybody oh, yeah. who knows me. Of course. It's uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So good. So good. You've we also should've... said that previously in one of the episodes <clears throat> that that's your favorite. I think you said it's a favorite movie. Hopefully no. we get into like favorite musicals sometime. We do National Musical Day. But... Well, it's not my favorite movie. That's Eternal Sunshine. No, no. I think you say like, I think you say, like overall we had a conversation over a year ago. No, Jesse that's said, that's over the summer. What I say? That you said Eternal Sunshine. Is it's my favorite movie? movie. Yeah. No. no, that's my favorite movie. Yeah. Well, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, Jesse, how's it going? Yo, what's up? Uh, what you uh, what you uh, sipping on over there? Favorite I'm, candy and I'm, favorite Halloween movie? I'm honestly just drinking regular Pepsi. Oh, yeah, you're, that's you're, it. You're getting crazy, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's getting yeah, wild. I'm not, I'm not doing anything alcoholic tonight. Uh, <laughs> just Pepsi. Uh, my favorite candy, I would say, you know, I'm going to go with the classic and say Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Ooh, I do like, though, better than that is the Snickers with peanut butter. I almost grabbed those. Those are freaking phenomenal, like, amazing. Yeah. You put them in the freezer for, like, a little bit, get them nice and cold. No. Oh, are they? Oh, they are. Yeah, oh, are they? Yeah, I did. What? You have one right there. <laughs> Clearly, I think somebody yeah. may have already eaten all yeah. of them. Well, I oh. ate a couple of them. Yeah. There's still, there should be some more. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Some more. <laughs> we have them. All right. So yeah, I'm gonna say that. Uh, so that's that's one. Um, and then my favorite Halloween movie. I was thinking about this. I don't like scary movies, but I do like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Oh, that's it a was great. Zach, one of Zack Snyder's first yeah. movies. I love that. And you know what? That one really knocks it out of the park because it hits every single little like checkbox on kind of like a zombie tropish kind of movie. And I, I don't know. I, it's, I find that out of all of the horror movies is the ones that I've watched the most. I've mm-hmm. seen it probably like 10 times, 12 times. It's like, oh, it's on TV? Cool. I'm totally going to watch this movie. Cool. Talking about horror movie remakes, I really like the Evil Dead remake. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What? I heard it was alright. It was good. It's good. I mean, I love the, well, sorry, Evil, I love the original Evil Deads with, um... Nash Ketchum? Yeah, well, well what's his, what's, <laughs> the, what's the Ash's name? Uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, thank you. What's his last name? It's Ash something. It's not Ash Ketchum, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal, Because that's right? Pokemon. Yeah. No, I, oh, we, we all know. We all know. We, well, I don't know where Ryan Dow's now. Uh, Derek's sitting at home just thinking, oh my god, they better be making a Pokemon <laughs> reference. I hope so. <laughs> uh, as we get uh, Josh look that up, um, uh, I will be your host. Right now, I am uh, sipping on a couple of things. I made a bit of a concoction with some uh, simple syrup of a brown sugar, Jameson, Shipyard, and splash it off with an apple cider, and it's quite phenomenal. So that's what I'm drinking on for right now. My favorite candy, because I don't like chocolate, because that shit's gross. So I would say it's a toss-up, but mainly I would say either Airheads or Dots. Like Dots, little gumdrops. Really? By far. I like them like I, seven. I, all, not buttons, but Dots. There's two different things in, in particular. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. Okay. Because um, buttons are gross. Those are terrible. Even ones with a little wax paper, you have to like peel it off. You always eat paper. Do you like, can we talk about candy. some of the worst candies you've ever had? 
You know those little fucking soda bottles? The wow oh, those soda bottles. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Who thought that was a good idea? I also hate candy corn. Who who likes candy corn? I love candy, candy corn. I knew, I knew one. Oh, somebody no one likes candy Yeah, no one. I like candy corn. Good yeah, exactly. Corn. No one, no one likes candy, candy corn. corn. <laughs> um, uh, my, it's Ash Williams. Ash Williams. Right. Uh, that's, that's I like Ash Ketchup more. Uh, my favorite Halloween movie... Um, I would go off of. Would you count Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie? Yeah, yeah. It's more and, of a Christmas movie. And the Christmas movie. It could be both. Yeah, fair. Uh, mine is going to the witches. Uh, scared the shit out of me. Like that uh, movie, just for the fact that it's turning people into like mice and stuff like that was really creepy. So that uh, scared me when I was a child, and I still look back at. It. I'm like, oh, I'm still kind of freaked out just a little bit. But that was uh, one of my favorite. But. Uh, Tonight, we will be talking about a highly anticipated, a very expensive show, apparently. Um, over $150 million, I believe, this show's budget was. Was that larger than Game of Thrones? I don't think so. I thought I thought most of the Game of Thrones were sitting at 100 Yeah, I thought well, so, too. Well, I mean, Game of Thrones is up to how many seasons, so... Right, all right. Probably. I mean, they might be over it more, but I think for the first season, like... Oh, first over. season, I think so. Yeah. They came up with the pilot. Because this, like, this, their pilot was that first four... Like episodes, so I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, look it up. But we we're talking about Westworld on uh, HBO's <laughs> original series. Thank you. Um, that's uh, actually kind of came out ooh about almost a month ago, I think. Well, it's six episodes five. in. So. No, five. Five. No. We're at the midpoint. It came out five weeks ago. Well, I know it came out before <laughs> because at one point they came out with the pilot like much much earlier, and a lot of people got the first look at the first four episodes. But then they had to do something. They got delayed. They had to do some re- cuts, re-edit. They recasted a couple people, too, because they wasn't getting the vibe that they were trying to get. So mm. now that's why I'm thinking that we're going to talk about mainly the entire first five episodes from one to five. And I guess it's a big deal because episode five, at least for me, does feel a little bit different than the first four episodes. Because I'm wondering if they just... They, that's the most recent... Like, one of the ones they shot after the first initial four. Because uh, when they were reviewing this and people had already started reviewing these like two months ago already, they already had seen the first four episodes. And, like, well, they had HBO always does that. So I'm, I'm kind of confused. We'll look this up. Uh, usually the pilot episode is referred to just the first one. Mm-hmm. HBO, what they do is they have a media pass that they let the media see the first four. So like the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, and this is why, uh, was it two years ago that the first four four or five episodes of Game of Thrones was leaked. And that's why they... Oh, no, yeah, it was two years ago because last year they didn't release any to the press because they didn't want to leak it. Mm-hmm. So hmm. oh, so I wonder if it was the pilot versus the first four. So you do still count... So I know there's like kind of grumblings of uh, on like the media the pilot was the first episode and they wasn't sure... They thought that some of the second episode should have been in the first, but they had to cut mm, it short. And then maybe. they actually kind of added Because if you look at the first two episodes, one does feel like an extension of the other. Right, right, right. Um, so I'm wondering if they like kind of cut that short and try to like revamp a couple of yeah. different things. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Um, but let's kind of go, go into like our, a bit of a conversation. You know, we, when we talked about kind of going into a bit of wins and criticisms, <clears throat> but overall kind of feeling of the actual sort of show first. Then we'll dive into some wins and criticisms. Then hopefully we get into our kind of tinfoil sort of theories and like speculations because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. So, but uh, kind of overall kind of general thoughts. What do we think? Uh, it's been a crazy ride. I had no idea what this was. I heard a whole bunch of people say a lot of really good things. Uh, still didn't watch it. And then uh, I was hanging out with these fine folks one night 
and uh, try, let's say, attempted to watch the first episode, <laughs> um, and uh, even even let's say in the, uh, the attempt mode, if you will, um, was pretty hooked on it and immediately went home and watched all of the rest of it. It was it's been a heck of a ride so far. Yeah, I know. I started this and. Um... I also wasn't sure, and I didn't, like, I, I literally, at every time that Game of Thrones stops, I cancel my HBO Now subscription, because there's no, like, I don't feel like there's a lot of stuff on there. I can watch John Oliver other things, and there just wasn't a lot of content out there, and all the other movies I've probably already seen before, so I've always canceled it and says whatever. Um, but this kind of came up, and I, that's why I was really delayed to it, just because I haven't heard too much about it. Probably because I've been trying to, like, avoid spoilers of... You know, uh, Doctor Strange and, you know, Fantastic Beasts and Rogue One. That I'm literally not watching any of, like, live TV as much as possible unless it's sports. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I kind of glaze over it. I don't see any reviews. I don't really try to read any of that stuff. Um, and I put this on, like, one day. I think I was hungover or something like that. And I put it on, like, in the background and laid down. And, like, the first scene happened. And I had to be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. What? I had to stop <laughs> Yeah. Get up out of my bed and like restart it from the beginning of it. It was like, what the hell just happened right now? I don't even realize what happened. And um, damn, I am very, very this, impressed. It's it's impressive when yeah, same thing when like the first episode there's like a wait, hang on. Like and and that's the mark of a good a good show when you just like consistently have those I did not see that moment coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you get the rewind, I was like, wait, what? Why are they talk shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta go back and see that again. For me, the one thing that hooked me was I. Nobody had told me anything about this show. Nobody had said anything. It was the day after the first episode aired, and somebody on Reddit had just posted the intro, like just the uh, like opening theme music and the visuals of like the horse riding and like all the robots being made. And I watched that, and I was like. This looks really interesting, and immediately that's when I started watching the show, and I've watched an episode every single day, it com- every single time it comes out. Nice. And it goes to show how a good intro to a show can really grab somebody, at least yeah. it did for me. And, I mean, it's a beautiful intro, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we talked about, I guess one of the, the more shows that we've talked about on this particular podcast is Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones intro is so particular, sort of intricate, that it, you give... It already gives you a lot of information without telling you anything. Mm-hmm. And for right now, we're watching this. We're not entirely sure exactly what they're telling us or not. And they're not really setting us up for anything. But we're not entirely sure. And it's going to be interesting to see if we get more and more of like, the story and background. If the introductions start making much more sense. Or not. Like We're not sure. Because I didn't even realize Game of Thrones intro change every like few episodes. Oh, like that. They no, were... no. It's every episode. Well, I didn't, I, so I didn't even realize yeah, yeah. it changes every episode. I mean... Th- I, we have to rewind. All the way, I'm talking about when the first season of Game of Thrones. Oh, I, yeah, I know yeah. now it does. Well, well, I didn't realize that at first. I, I, I like I told everybody I watched like five seasons when I was in bed with the, you know, the broken ankle. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't realize that. And I skipped all of them. And everybody's like, "What are you talking about? You didn't watch the intros. You didn't see the cities." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't. I thought that was all the same." I mean, like, yeah, like majority of like a lot of shows that we watch on like regular TV, the intros are the same. Yeah. And there's no point in, like, watching those things. So I just think that's kind of pretty interesting. But, um, you know, overall, like, looking at this show, and we're already five episodes in, but what do you think? Like, uh, what we're talking about the genres that they are? Like, we think more sci-fi, more Western, or what do you think? It's definitely more sci-fi than yeah. anything. Yeah. 
And what do you think it ranks up so far? I mean, it's very preliminary, but at the same time, like, other top sci-fi shorts, I've seen a lot of people talk about, like, comparing this to Lost. And... I was going to say, it gives me the vibe of Lost, that exact same tone, that same feeling, that same, like, oh, guessing the questions, like, who's a robot, who's not, like, that... I, I haven't seen since Lost, or I haven't felt that way since Lost. Were there robots in Lost? Spoiler alert. No. Well, no. I thought it was just a polar bear. I never watched Lost. So, so, so it's, it's, it's funny because, like, yeah, I totally get it now where, like, why people are so hooked because this type of show is immediately just, like, hookable? That's not a real word, but, like... Addicting. But, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's immediately addicting. You just kind of want to know the next part, and I can see why Lost was such a huge, huge cultural phenomenon. And how long was Lost? That was a Six bit. years? Seven Six years? years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it asks... It, it really, really... Even for the first episode, uh, it kind of thrusts you in... I'm talking about Westworld here. here. Um, it thrusts you in this particular world, and it asks a lot of questions, but it also gives you a lot of information. And then the second episode comes and just introduces way more information, a lot more characters that you probably haven't even heard of just yet. So already from like maybe episode one or two, I felt that it would give me more characters in Game of Thrones. Now overall, Game of Thrones have more characters in their series, but from out of two episodes that you're getting a lot of different pieces kind of thrown at you and this whole like kind of world building thing has to happen in two hours. And I thought I was very, I mean, I was, that's what I was talking about. I thought they did a good job of introducing it though. Like how they... Didn't they go the first, entire first episode without revealing Hawkins, and he comes down at the end? So I thought it was very logical on how they introduced people. Well, and, and when they did introduce people, like, uh, we were just talking about that great initial bandit scene where they come into town, take the cloaks off, and then start shooting everyone up. And so you don't really know, like, the bandit. You don't really know, like, his gang. You don't know the, the hooker, really. Um... Which is a cool scene, and then in later times, which I think I think goes along with this, that like they make reference to the loops that like stay on loop, stay on loop, and because of that, we get something like you know Groundhog's Day, right. where you just like you continually just kind of learn something new every single loop through. Which even if it's not a true loop, next time you know the bank robbers go to the the town, you know something more about that character. And you get a little bit more invested in why they're there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it was it was nice because it felt like they started us at least at the end of a lot of different pieces, and then almost working their way back, but at the same yeah. time kind of working forward. So it's like this simultaneous um, kind of storytelling that's happening. Yeah. Um, even to the point where kind of the man in black now is just jumping all over different yeah. pieces, and he's kind of weaving a lot of different kind of story plot lines together, right. either incidentally or you know he's he wants to do that. Right. Um, and I just, I mean, there's just so many interesting things. We can talk about, like, interesting characters. We can talk about a lot of yeah. stuff. But we'll just stick and to, like, just all overall general I think that's here. why I think it's a little bit easier than Game of Thrones. Like, Game of Thrones, you had a whole bunch of characters. Maybe, I guess, probably similar amounts. But, like... I feel like Game of Thrones has more characters. Now, but I'm trying to think of season one. But so I mean, it's it was easy. more characters, and it was a lot deeper of, like, a... Right. Like so you yeah. had to know all the houses and all the major players in those houses right away. Whereas episode one and two of Westworld, you didn't really need to know the backstory of the bandits because either one, it didn't present it like you had to care. Were the bandits in episode one? Yeah. One and two. The, yeah, 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 the, the, the shooter. Yeah, when they were right in. Oh. Oh, so either that or it became <laughs> immediately... Like, you knew from Dolores looping through that first day 
that you're like, all right, well, I'll get it eventually. Like, they did a really, really good job balancing the, like, you don't have to care about this right now in the characters. Which you still don't. We're five episodes in, and we've seen uh, Lawrence come back in another way. Yeah. You know, in, like, the way he was programmed to do. Well, I think it's interesting, too, with this show, because Game of Thrones, everybody dies. And in this, nobody dies. Like, you mm. technically die, but then you're immediately back. Or you're back as a different character. Or you're back as... Unless you get decommissioned. Unless you get decommissioned, which... Happens to two people so far. Peter Abernathy and... I don't... I think it's something that was Walter, I want to say. Abandoned. The well, bandit, yeah. yeah. What's his name? I think his name's uh, Walter. Yeah, the big yeah, one. I don't remember. Huh? The big guy. No, no, no. no. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, the, that's the third guy. That's yeah. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, that's the third one. Like, initially, the first two episodes, like Abernathy, which was Doris' um, father, and then Walter, which I think, from what they kind of mentioned, at one point, he was also hearing those whispers, and he shot up the entire Yeah, he was abandoned. Oh, he was right. abandoned. Yeah, but he, before, he wasn't, like, in the Right, the right. Films, but, so, so, yeah, that's another thing where it's just like... I think his name was Walter. We'll get up. Yeah, it it just doesn't it doesn't matter. Jesse raises a good point where like the character it's it's like the, it's like uh, whose line is it anyway? The character doesn't matter, and then the points are all fictional. Like you know, any one of these any oh one of these androids could come back at any one of the other characters at any point, and so it's interesting seeing them in the middle of the loop. But do you guys want to focus on any particular characters before we go into uh, wins? Before we own wins? Yeah. Or we can we're just doing wins. Oh, we were just doing overall thoughts. But we can yeah. Yeah. My overall thought is just that I, I am it's really cool. intrigued by all the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's so many different storylines that I want to know what happens, so you, it brings you back the next week. That's, that's one thing I kind of want to talk about, where, like, I actually feel like the subplots matter, which I think this show is doing a better job of most other shows that are out there. My only worry is that it. I hope they actually do have like a game plan, which Lost never had. Right. Lost was really good Lost about did. giving you all those mysteries, but never really. They they even admitted like we were just kind of making. No, Lost Lost had a three year plan, and then they got to year two at the end of year two, and the network's like, yeah, you guys are so, so like we can't kill this after three years, and so that's when they started making stuff up. They had a solid three-year arc, and so I think that they've already announced that they're going to try and do five years of Westworld. I was reading, before we started doing the podcast, I was reading an interview with uh, Evan Rachel Wood, and she said that she was planning on doing eight years, which seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. Even if you do ten ten episodes a a season, eight years is a long time. That's a long time. Because you got to think of these, like, HBO isn't necessarily... They're not making TV shows in these, like, epics. They're making long-form movies. And eight seasons is a lot for the amount of characters we've been introduced to. Like, really, I know we were just talking about how there's a lot of characters and everything, but, like, realistically, there's not that many characters. Well, the park hasn't even gone to shit yet. Like, they're still, like, open for business and, like, fully functional. And, like, the whole plot of Westworld, the book, and the movie is three-quarters of it is when it all goes to hell. Right. And that hasn't even happened yet on well, the show. unless it happened 30 years ago, and now they're come, they're already kind of past that particular incident, and they mentioned it a bunch of times of, you know, th- over 30 years ago, there's something happened that kind of just fucked up everything, mm-hmm. and now they did a reset, and now they're behind that, and whatever it is that kind of occurrence or the incident that happened, we don't know about it. And now from this most recent episode from talking to Dolores... 
it looks like it's also lining up the same timeline of when Arnold died was when the incident happened. And I'm wondering if the incident is when Arnold died, who we know. Oh, no, we know that that's what it is. Well, uh, we, we don't know for sure of if it's, if it's exactly the right, time of right. Arnold. Because now some people were saying in this episode here between Logan and William of Arnold was a guy who committed suicide. Where then, you know, episode two that we were talking about in between Bernard and Ford, that, oh, he's my partner. But no, 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 but the timelines are, like, they, I'm pretty sure that they've said the, it was between Bernard and I think the head lady, where they said the last incident was when Arnold died. So we don't, we don't know anything about Arnold in the situation that, like, truly that how he died, but we know that was the last time everything went well, to hell. Well, we know vaguely what happened because uh, Anthony Hopkins' character says that we made, we said it was an accident. Right, which I think I either was, indicates he committed suicide or he did something wrong. Well, the man in black also says, "I bailed you out," like in in the last episode. He's like, "You guys were gonna go under until I stepped up." So that's yeah. another, and that's why he gets away with whatever he wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was talking about in particular for like Laz um, Lawrence character because he was like, "I'm trying, I'm trying to free you from that particular kind of loop that you're always in," but apparently he sent him back to that loop. After he kind of kills him, which I thought was very, very interesting of kind well, of. Well, Man in Black play. didn't decide to send him on the loop. I know, but he's yeah. no like I mean the previous episode I think episode four yeah when Lawrence was kind of really like just complaining about it he was like I freed you from that particular kind of loop that which you were in but I guess it all changed when he ran into Teddy and apparently he was looking for Teddy the entire time and not um, Lawrence's character. And so right. we see from this one here, they end up switching. Which I thought was interesting, because it was good to see um, Teddy back. I thought that he was already an interesting character, kind of a romantic that just keeps dying for no reason. But apparently we also know that he's like um, a bloodthirsty killer sometimes too. And we kind of hear that in episode, I think, one or two. So it's it very interesting to see well, what they, they, they talk about his programming, that he's the gunslinger, that the visitors are there to basically, they want to best him and win the girl. Hmm. So that's his whole programming is he's just there to sling guns and die. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny talking about these, like, these... Well, so I'm going to refer to them as since because the obvious Fallout (laughs) 4 reference. Like, like, I've spent the last, like, 11 months playing Fallout. And then so to see this this, uh, TV show come out with, like, basically the same premise where, like, it's... There's basically the same factions involved... Um, except for maybe the Brotherhood of Steel, like, it's, I'm just gonna call them synths from now on. Um. Uh, they're hosts? Yeah, yeah right, but Duh. they're, they're synths. Um, so, with, like, with these things, like, you can, it's hard to separate what is actual personality, because there's no separation. There's no personality, there's just what they were told to do. Mm. And so, like, he's not a gunslinger, because he's not anything. He's a robot. But I think that's the whole premise now is, like, the point of the show is that they're starting to become real? No, they're not. She is. Well, no, because the the prostitute also is going through that. Right, right, right. But he certainly isn't. And but I mean, there's now that we we know, and at least that we're seeing that there's a couple things that aren't acting accordingly to their particular programming. And we know that it's Dolores. We know it's Peter Abernathy. And now we know that it was Walter, and we know that it's uh, Maeve. Maeve. So, 
those four particular kind of characters we know have like kind of deterred a little bit from their particular core programming. At one point, we thought kind of opened up the show. Yeah, but two of them, two of them got killed because, or you know, basically decommissioned because they deviated. Yeah, but we thought. I mean, at one point, we thought that it was because of the reveries and the particular update that four right, pushed right. out. And so then from there, two of them got decommissioned. So we have Walter, which is his name, Walter and Abernathy are then now in storage. But they're in the storage. They're not actually kind of killed or anything. Like later on, we know that this the hunter um, who uh, ended up having his head chopped off. He's actually going to the incinerator. He's actually being destroyed. Right, which right. is another kind of level of what actually kind of happens too. Uh, but then we have Maeve character who... I think it's very interesting. I hope we talk about her in a little bit. But we have Maeve and Dolores, and it looks like we're following a lot more on Dolores' path. Right. Um, but so well, Dolores, back to my original point. Yeah. This goes back to my original point where subplots matter. Yes. I thought it was very interesting where the whole Maeve thing with the whole, like, figuring her stuff out, that's one subplot. And then combined in it, we, they wasn't presented this way, but with the whole, uh, the dude was trying to program the bird. And then at the end, it's like, it's a meaningless subplot until at the very end, the bird lands on her finger and she says, hello, we need to talk. And so it's, it's these little things, these little stories that develop the world you're in, but that also contribute to the, the main plot. And I think that it's very hard to do on a large frame format television show to have things that you're genu- genuinely, like, intre- genuinely interested in throughout the entire time that come up and like, pay off later. And it looks like we're looking at it in a lot of different levels, especially when you're talking about the subplots, because now that I'm thinking as you're talking, we have, you know, what Ford is doing, and he has his own, like, separate thing, which is, I guess, above everybody else. And then, like, kind of the next level down, you have kind of Bernard, and you also have the other woman that's in behavior, I I can't remember her name, Uh, and then you have Bernard's, like, boss who's, like, looking up for her. Yeah, exactly, her. So you have those three people there, and then you go to the next level, that we have the people in the back of house, essentially, and, like... The guy, uh, Felix, who is just like a, a cleaver, but kind of a cleaner. And now it looks like there's a whole separate plot there. And then that's out, like, that's in the real world, quote unquote. But then we go into the actual sort of West. Yeah, so it all, it all plays in together. Yeah. It's I'm just an interesting the way yeah. it kind of crosses over together. So, some other wins that, anyhow, I'll bomb through them and let me know what you think. Um, I thought that the, the changing of the color palette on uh, different locations was awesome. That there's like, this weird deep blue for the, you know, when they're at the home base. Yeah, 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 You know, with, like, with the blinding lights as well. And then, like, that really separates that's this location. And then, you know, there's the brown for uh, whatever the town that they get off from the train is. And then... Sweetwater. Uh, Sweetwater, yeah. And then when they went to Pariah, it's really... It's, like, gold and red. And, like, it's really vibrant. And I thought that it, they did a really good job, like... It's one thing, so we talked about this last week with uh, Luke Cage where um, he had like the yellow and kind of gold uh, color palette and that reflected the entire time. Um, I thought that it's it's also a skill set that they were able to change that color palette depending on the location and depending on the morality of it. You know, whereas like uh, the blue is very sterile, very lab-based and right. versus the rest of it. So I thought that was kind of cool and a, a win. It was a nice like... <laughs> thing um my last big win and i know warren and i were having a disagreement on this in our pre-production mm-hmm. um i thought that the i love the anachron- uh anachronistic music um going back to video games i play like four video games but like two of them ended up in this show um bioshock 3 infinite had the use of 
uh, this like time warping things, which I think we're going to talk about a little later in our tinfoil hats section, but um, where they were able to insert modern music into, you know, like the 1920s, 19 teens. Um, and I think, I thought they did a really, really cool job of um, switching or inserting modern music into these Western feels. It really draws the viewer in as like, hey, this is like an out of place, out of time experience. Um, what we're really talking about is that there's a distinction between something called diegetic and non-diegetic music, where diegetic is something that the characters can hear versus non-diegetic, which is something that's only for the audience. And you can really see that happening with the player piano, where it has all these different modern 80s, 90s, 2000s pop rock songs that come through and that really ground like that whole clunky player piano ragtime feel in the West, but with melodies that everyone understands. Um, the other thing is that we were having a big disagreement over was uh, the use of painted black in the whole like shootout scene, where again, it, it kind of bridged it where the, the people in the scene don't hear that, but we do. And I think that really, again, draws that, that viewer into the, it's modern, but it's not really kind of viewpoint. I, I like having the new music. I, I do think it also helps reestablish that kind of fancy life. Like, I, that's why I like it, is because if they made it 100% Wild West theme, then, it, yeah, it'd be the Wild West. Where it has that little kind of tinge of like, oh yeah, by the way, the real world's still out there, and I don't know, I found it interesting. And I, I also just like hearing ragtime versions of all of my favorite songs. Yeah. Like, that's kind of fun. I think it was really interesting. I think it's funny that you bring up Bioshock. Bioshock did that really well. Mm. But Fallout also kind of does the same thing, only in reverse, where you're in the future, but you hear retro music. Mm. So you have this kind of retro fu- futuristic feel to everything. I guess, I mean, and can, I'm not going to lead into criticism at all. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but it does make it... My only disagreement that I had with Mike is it does make the particular scene a little bit too busy because there's a reason. And you can look at either the showrunner, the person who created it, the writer, the director. There's a reason that they chose that song for that particular moment. It's not just coincidence. And that's what I was kind of talking about here for a little bit. But what you were kind of saying that there's two different sort of distinctions to kind of talk about it. My thing is if they play that particular song that's going to either A, distract me from what's actually happening on the actual show, or B, completely ignore it because I don't know what song that is and kind of focus on another thing, and then go back and look at it and be like, oh, well, now that moment makes so much more sense. That painted black, I knew exactly what was going to happen, at least somehow, because I knew the actual song. But if I didn't know, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting song. Oh my gosh, you need to kill all these people. Let me look up with that song. Oh, the name of the song is Painted Black. Oh, okay. But I, and the, the, I mean, just the one thing is, what I don't want to happen is there's so much stuff that we have to try to comprehend and already digest. You're just adding a, another layer, a layer on a top of another layer. But, and I just fear that it may get too busy. But composers do that all the time. So yep. the, two, the two thoughts of composing for a scene is you either underscore the action or you underscore the personality behind it. Where you can say, you can have the same scene, and you can, let's say your hero kills the main bad guy, and you can have the scene scored and really triumphant, and have that be the pinnacle of your movie, and say, oh, the good guy won. Or you can have it be uh, like really sad and 
sorrowful, and then after he kills the bad guy, you find out that it was his brother. Hmm. And then, and it completely, so the payoff at the end will change uh, with the music. You introduce, like, a sad theme before the payoff prepares the viewer for that experience. And I think that you don't necessarily need to know that it's painted black by itself, but the the theme of that song still, again, not knowing the words or anything, will still underscore that theme because it's a well-written song. I mean... I don't think... And again, it's it's we're arguing over, like, if this was not music that you knew like beforehand you wouldn't have this problem because it the melodies are underscoring something else mm-hmm. rather than what's going on on screen i just think that in like just the one thing we'll definitely we're gonna definitely bring this up a little bit later is i want to make sure that they are giving you as the, the actual sort of viewer a chance to kind of think a little bit and just at least rest for like one second because it jumps from scene to scene to scene and there's a lot of music in the show there's not just one or two and there's a lot of stuff that's also kind of undertones also happening but the one thing I think the show does really really well and I, and I really enjoy it is that they give you a, vi- a visual aspect of what's currently happening while sometimes it could be like a voiceover or something else a completely different sort of um, conversation happening mm-hmm. on the other end and that's a beautiful shot especially in this um, episode 5 when they're at the pariah scene when Dolores is walking through the crowd it looks like a day of the dead almost mm-hmm. close to Halloween which is kind of mm-hmm. awesome um, but they're like walking through the crowd she sees herself and she's kind of following them and so that's a visual aspect that was currently happening. That's a completely separate subplot or subline that's happening. There, I don't think there's any music in this one, but this is an example of sometimes giving you can be too much. Um, she's following this. Well, all we can see on the screen is Dolores is trying to follow through all these people, but the conversation that's going on between Logan and William is huge because he's actually talking about why they're actually there at the park. The park is struggling. It's hemorrhaging money. That's where they're in. They have investment stakes. That's where they're going. And a lot of that conversation, I, I truly missed. And I had to go back and look at, like, oh, shit. I either missed one or I missed the other. There's no way it's possible to get both because there's so much but, already stated. But don't, don't you think that's the point of the show? Like, if you were to go to Westworld, you got to pick. You're either a white hat or a black hat. Mm-hmm. And then and when you get there... Or a brown hat. We got brown yeah, hats. Yeah, we got, we we got, got brown, brown hats. We got brown hats. All hats matter, guys. <laughs> yes. Um, I hate you so much. Yes. Uh, so, so, but like you think about it and then, I mean, they even, like Logan makes reference that there's a lot of characters that like come up to them that are like, hey, that, don't, just don't do that. That's a worthwhile, uh, not a worthless thing to follow. Mm-hmm. That adventure he's like trying to get you in doesn't go anywhere. That's Who a cares? boring NBC. It's right. And so, and so, yeah, I think that's part of the, like, the whole show where like they're going to present you with so much stuff and then you as a viewer are almost thrust into that world where you have to pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. I, don't, I, I, I can't see that them as a showrunner tell you to pick and choose one. At one point, I think they want you in the middle, and they want you to get just a little bit of both so you can have appreciation of everything that's happening. Because if you cut yourself off of just one, and you just pick that, oh, I'm just going to look at this conversation, you, you just overlook the stuff that was happening with Dolores, you're, gonna, you're, you're literally not um, achieving the entire particular kind of well, uh, process they're trying do, to do. I think they make it a little distracting intentionally, so that you, right. you're forced 
to pay more attention. Right. You have to right. look That's for the mean. little clues and everything that lead to the next story. So you feel the music and this visual aspects and the over like the Well, the music isn't distracting to me because it has a simple explanation. It's just, you know, the programmer said, hey, let's make, let's just start this Yeah, song. I also, besides the paint it black, I thought all the pop songs and the player piano had nothing to do with the scenes. I just thought they it was were just like pop a, songs. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. just a cool thing Basically. that they threw in because... It's, it's they can. It's They're the, the programmers. It's the non-diegetic stuff that was really interesting, like Paint It Black. Okay. But, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think that it's on purpose that they just try and sensory overload you. I mean, it's it's on purpose. I'm happy. I'm happy for it. I'd rather have more, like, obviously more than less so that you have a chance to kind of digest, chew on these things, kind of come back into it later. I have, like, a couple of, like, it's not even criticism. It's like, hey, kind of be careful sort of thing just because once you give an audience too much, now it's really difficult to have them focus on a certain thing. And then they think they need to focus on everything and they don't get what they should be looking at and they get lost or sometimes they have to watch it three or four times. And that's like just my fear um, of what could happen. But uh, I mean, continue with my my wins. Like, is the biggest thing that we can kind of talk about. I know Jesse kind of mentioned it a lot. It's just the overall acting on this stuff is yeah. absolutely oh, ridiculous. Killer. Like looking at, uh, I, I mean, like just three characters alone. Like talking about Dolores um, Abernathy, and one of the, I think one of the more interesting characters that we've only seen him I think twice is Wild Bill, which is the um, the host. That you see when the show opens and there's like a break in, but it's Ford talking to Wild Bill, and we find out that he's actually one of those. He's the second oldest um, host ever, and just his, especially in episode five, as he's moving, there's a particular kind of clicking sound that's happening as he's moving his head, and he's like, "Oh man!" And then he actually says a line, in which case, "Shall we drink to the woman with the white shoes?" And literally everything that this man says is so deep and it has a, such a deeper meaning to it. And even Ford talks about this in particular when Abernathy was mentioning Shakespeare and bringing up things from The Tempest and all these other kind of really, really ancient playwrights in, in, like, in particular. But those things that he mentions aren't random. Those things are particular of what's happening. Really? Over- I, thought, I thought Wild Bill was the previous generation and no, I thought that he was pre-programmed yeah. to say that stuff oh no no two, so, no, two separate things oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, two, two separate things yeah. yeah and I think that's what makes him so interesting is that it's funny where it, it's it's a, a reflection on Anthony Hopkins character where he loves talking to this person that literally has no no actual responses yeah it's all canned responses yeah, and stuff from yeah. there's no there's no thought there's no thought he's basically just listening He's more of a soundboard to but, bounce off of. But it is, it is very interesting, and this is something I couldn't find just yet, of after, you know, uh, Fort tells him the story of how the Greyhound got loose and got to theirs, didn't know what to do, and then the Greyhound's kind of bored, and, like, once you get to the top, you just destroy it. You don't know what to do, so you end up destroying something that you were trying to get to this entire time. He says that line in which, shall we drink with the woman with the white shoes, which... I don't know what that means. I haven't looked it up just yet. No, it but. means nothing. It's a canned response. It's yeah. Hopkins' character likes talking to this character. I'm assuming because he just programmed him a certain way, but like he likes. I think he just likes talking to you because there's no, no response. Well, it's probably just some probably one of the oldest non remodeled robots that right. you just shoot the shit with. Yeah, know? he just hangs out, has a drink with, and then goes home. I think it's one of those like. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. No, you. I yeah. think you are on that one. I, th- I think the. It, it, but it's kind. It, I think it. 
there's nothing to do with that character. It has everything to do with the dynamic with Hopkins' character, where Hopkins needs that, like, pressure valve release, where you can just sit there and talk about everything to this character that won't... doesn't matter. Mm. That will consistently just say, let's drink to the girl in the white shoes every single time he says something. I'm gonna look out for white shoes for the rest of the season. <laughs> because if it comes up, I'm like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you. you might be right on that one, too. Like, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things in which, like, I don't mind looking into everything. There was a reason why we get two shots. One shot, in which case it was one break-in. Quote-unquote break-in from episode one. Everybody freaks out. Nobody has no idea. And that's how we introduce to Dr. Ford, or you know, Ford's character, him talking to the only person that can understand him is somebody with the canned responses that you're talking about. Right. Which is very sad, because he can't get that same sort of conversation from now we know Dolores or even Bernard. Um, uh, and we can't even get that same response kind of sort of from the man in black. So that's something interesting. Well, that, that conversation was yeah, amazing. Which is awesome, too. But there is a reason... I feel like there's a reason why episode one, they introduced this character while Bill, and then episode five, they then put him back in, and they're having kind of like really, really deep conversations, and I feel Ford's looking for help, or he's looking for some sort of answer or something of... Am I doing the right thing? If I'm ethical, or a lot of other things that we can kind of get into, but why why keep going back? Why do you, like, he's a good listener? I'm like, yeah, but he says cer- certain things, and what's the connection there? That's what has me intrigued of the most powerful person in the actual like park talks to somebody who's been decommissioned in the very very old for, randomly, and just because there has to be a reason for that, and that's what I like folks know. I think there's a reason, but I think it's because he's a sounding board. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. Okay. When I, I'll when you, when you guys are wrong, just buy me some beer. <laughs> My standouts, uh, I think Dolores is super interesting. She's, yep. I mean, like you said, she's probably arguably the main character of this the show, uh, but I think her character is awesome. Um, what you call her earlier? Who's huh? saying Neo? That's me. No, yeah, yeah, that's one. Uh, Ed Harris does a great job. This is a man in black. He's in, super intriguing, and he's got all kinds of mysteries surrounding him. I think that's perfect. Oh, and yeah. then uh, we were just talking about the other guy who played Peter Abernathy. He did an awesome job in the oh first episode. Goodness. His name is Lewis Hertham. Is he? What, what else has he been in? Yeah, he's got he's got he's in something else. There's a lot of people that I recognize here, and I'm like, you've never had a chance to shine as much as you're having in this, and I'm, I'm glad for it. Longmire, True Blood... Ugh, oh yeah, Longmire. Yeah, he's from Longmire. Is he a father in True Blood? I feel like he's a father here. I don't know. I didn't watch that show. Anybody watch True Blood? No, I didn't watch it. Good. This is why I'm your friend. <laughs> but yeah, nothing else. Uh, Good. I'm glad you didn't watch it either, Jeff. Some candy. As the uh, wait for that. Any other ones? I feel like we've already touched on everything. The acting is phenomenal. Um... It's just a fun story idea. It's a fun concept. Yeah. Like it's it's funny that they had to take something from like a 30, 40 year old, you know, movie slash book and kind of put a nice little spin on it and it's good to see refreshing smart sci-fi on TV. It's very smart. Very quick and I like the language and the, the dialogue that is happening 
um, in this one here. And we do want to welcome one of our other guests here. We have uh, Jody with us. How's it going, Jody? Hey, what's going on? Welcome he's only to... here for the candy. Yay! He's only... That's okay. Only here for the candy. Yay! The candy of the bitches. Well, he's coming. <laughs> There's none of those here. Uh, I don't know. Except for one. <laughs> wow, that's rude. I'll <laughs> uh, just take my sip and drink. Um, as we're talking about a little bit more wins, but before we uh, can continue, Jody, favorite uh, Halloween movie? Favorite Halloween candy? Halloween movie, probably. Halloween. Is it 2000? Like the Michael Myers reboot? <laughs> Which was, I went with Jason X. I like how we both. You went with the one with Coolio in it, right? Yes, yes. Yup. Because uh, that's right. H2O. H2O, that's right. Yup. Yikes. Because it is both horrible and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> I like how we go with the exact same movie, essentially. Oh, man. Um, and Halloween Candy. I'm gonna have to say Almond Joy because sometimes it's oh, not. Oh, snap! Boo! Almond Joy is a gross, bro. Almond Joy is so good. This is just proof on tape that Warren <laughs> has no taste. This isn't VHS, what are you doing? <laughs> I and have taste. In a digital format, this is proof. He doesn't like chocolate, doesn't That like Warren is probably the worst human being in the world. <laughs> oh, damn. But one of uh, my best friends. I love coconut, thank you very much. This chocolate's gross. I'm sorry. And, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but thank you. Have you seen Westworld yet? You want to join in our conversation? I have not, but I've been listening very intently to your conversation. You should. This is real good. Uh, but we're going to continue because I know that uh, we were left off on Josh. But I know that we're going to get into a little bit more of the... I think I have probably the most criticisms. And honestly, they're not really criticisms. They're just a couple of worries that I do have for the actual show. Uh, and then let's get into the, some tinfoil theories. Because I know Jesse has been waiting to uh, talk about one in particular um, that I've seen and I've read about and I've listened to other podcasts. And we're not going to share any of those ideas. But there is one, uh, probably two theories I'm going to bring up here. But um, the the ones that the criticism I have is you know I hope the show doesn't get ahead of itself too much because um, there are things in which case in episode one and two that, that brought up that were pretty prevalent. It looks like they kind of focused a lot on and they kind of didn't really talk about it anymore. Well, um, your examples. The photo. So uh, I I think the photo was just there to to trick. Break. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to break. Yeah, but what, but my thing is like there is some mystery. Like, yes, I know that there's probably kind of a waterfall sort of technique of that's what set Abernathy on the path of then has him go back in his particular kind of builds of the customer traits and know that this is when to recite Shakespeare in order to tell him, you know, the actual line to Dolores and Dolores can wake up Maeve and then them two on the actual... I get that. I think that's interesting is that that one particular quote that's kind of like a program breaking... Oh, can somebody look that up? I uh, I literally had... A violent... Light, what is it? Violent. A violent something is a violent something. It, a violent end is the second part. Violent traits is a violent end or something like that. Um, I mean, that's like the one of the things in which I'm kind of thinking of. Of, it's. I just hope they don't f- forget the photo. That's the one thing because they haven't said it. They haven't talked about it at all since then, and I'm, I just hope they actually kind of talk about that. Um, and then the other thing I'm really glad they brought back is the actual kind of woodsman, because I thought that that entire sort of mystery was all going to be gone, but it looks like it's not. So it's nice to know that he kind of comes back and they introduce a whole other storyline. I hope they don't do too many storylines and get us lost in all these other things that we're trying to have to kind of think of in these next five episodes. 
So that's my only kind of other kind of criticisms. Um, also, I said too many Easter eggs, but I think we talked about that before, having too much stuff happening. How many at have once. too many Easter eggs? Well, yeah. that's what I was talking about before. We have too many things at once happening at the same time. Even the title of the actual each episode has something to do with something on there, whether it's the stray or something like that, or whether it's chestnut and what that necessarily I don't, means. It's uh, violent delights have violent ends. Thank you. That breaks their program. I don't think that I don't think that like it's necessarily too many easter eggs. I think it's like I think s- songs that they program to be there aren't easter eggs. They're just Oh, I wasn't talking about the songs at this point. All right. Yeah, I was talking about the title of the episodes. That's like, fine. Yeah, I was talking about the title of the episodes as well as like some of the names that they're doing and the fact that for me one of the things I I picked up on uh, a little bit, and I don't know if it is, but just the fact that you know, is there A, B, and C particular kind of character? The A character is going to be a Bernard. The B character, sorry, the A character is Arnold. The B character is Bernard, and the C character is Charlie. In which case, what uh, what uh, what people are kind of looking at, and I was like, well, Arnold did seem a lot like Bernard, and Bernard's child, quote unquote, that he was talking over Skype. His name is Charlie. So I don't know, but that's something to kind of look at. But that's something that I did like kind of. And then D Dolores. Could be. And I know that we can keep going down the line of that, too, because I know there's an E character, but I don't know. That's just something I think that's what I picked up on. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other criticisms? I know that you say you got nothing. No, I mean, it's 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 not a perfect show. Like, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to say that about anything we've seen, uh, but I, there's nothing really glaring. I think that... I find McPoyle a little distracting. Yeah, he yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't he? William. His name is William. It's, it's... He's one of the McPoyles. Yeah, but he's. I've also seen him in other stuff where it's like, I he's but he's McPoyle. Like every single thing I see, he's McPoyle. He's good though. He's a good actor. He's just this is McPoyle. <laughs> um, I think that like I think the payoff is gonna be the biggest thing. I think also too the the logistics of this place kind of bother me sometimes. Like you can't think about it too much, but like every now and then I'm like, well. God, they have to maintain, like, 10,000 robots in, like, X amount of space, and well, they have a budget of, like... Like, if you really think about it, the it's fact that there's no way there's possible. Like three programmers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's one little handheld that he can barely use to control the bird, but you're telling me that they control well, the bird. Well, he's not. No, he's not. He's not well, good. I know, but I'm saying that, like, they have, like, a particular kind of system and console. Yeah. One of them should at least recognize the fact that Maeve has drawings kept under her floorboards of what they wear when they're cleaning it. Well, I think that just goes to the, like, the lackadaisical part of this show. That's a good word. I don't know what that means. Like, they, they just, they don't care as much. Like, they're not micromanaging every single character, because they just assume that every character, which is why Dolores hasn't got caught. They just assume that every single character is just doing with their loop, and then doing what they're supposed to do. Right, and then when they see it, and they're like, oh, Dolores is in a zone she shouldn't be in, they go to have a character retriever, and then right. a visitor unless she's stops with a, him. Unless she's with, like, a guest. Yeah. Right, and then they figure out she's yeah. with a guest, and they're like, all right, it's fine. So I think the the, the, the whole part about Maeve hiding drawings I don't. I don't know if it's that they don't care. I think that the world is bigger than what they have. Like, right. able to micromanage that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, Like, it might have gotten out of their grasp. Even the hunter that was carving all that stuff and all those... Like, he was carving all these different animals. And that's something I need to look back on. I believe that was episode three. But there was a lot of different kind of pieces of animals that he was carving in his own, like, kind of hut. Which is weird, because she said that we didn't program this particular behavior. I thought that was kind of... Right, I think... No, I think... 
I don't view that as like negligence or like not having enough people. I view that as complacency. I think that they've been doing this for 35 years almost and that they just like the program works. We're not like we don't need to micromanage it. No. I mean, but that happens with every single place like that. Any job you've ever worked, you get to a certain point where you're like, I expect this to do its thing. You know, self-sufficiency. Right, exactly. So I don't think I don't think they realize, which is kind of kind of be you know going to be interesting. I, mean, I don't think they realize that the company's breaking. For for me, uh, going back to my complaints, it's like you can't. It's one of those shows where if you think about it really logistically, you're like, none of this makes any sense. Like, right? Like, why would it's they? Sci-fi. Why would they let people roll in and like destroy the robots for shits and giggles? Like the the logistics of having to like go and get the robots, clean them up, rebuild them, put them back into the park again. Well, how much did they say they were charging? Yes, forty thousand, forty grand, forty grand a day, forty grand a day, a day, a day. Yeah. yeah, but each one of these robots is gonna be. Easily several million dollars worth of yeah, but R&D can, but, and but the whole thing with like uh, yeah, well they I mean they make that money back. But if you're if you're shooting them once, then all you got to do is repack the blood and sew it up. With Maeve, they proved that they weren't even extracting bullets. They were just like, yep, just close. Yeah, go ahead. Cl- close the wound and then get him back out there. That's what I thought was interesting. I was wondering if that's how she got Mercer in the first or second episode because of something like that or not. Because she she had Mercer for a while, and I also thought it was weird that they they can even get those kind of diseases too. So I was also well, wondering why they was wearing. Well, I was wondering why they was wearing those suits. And right. I was like, why are you wearing the? Oh, okay. So I can see that they can actually probably catch some of the stuff that's infectious. So. Well, I, I just think it's funny that. Um, well, they they said that the early models were more robotic, <coughs> and now these are almost kind of flesh and bone. So you wonder how how human they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Or what kind of like functionality they have? Oh, that's what was. Uh, there's a current internet like thing going on that if you, uh, what's his, what's Cyclops' name? Is Jimmy? No. James Martin. Martin. He's, he's Ted in the Ted. Ted. I, 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 was, thinking of, I was thinking of James. Teddy uh, Flood. Ted yeah. So I, they were they're saying that if um if they tried to do the scene where Maeve like gets herself cut, if they did that with uh with. Teddy, you just spill out bullets. <laughs> like he's like he's at this point just more bullet than man. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, I, I, that part, like yeah, the logistics make no sense. But it's sci-fi. They built the Death Star. How does the Death Star get built? They built the what's the other one called? Uh, uh Star Destroyer. Yeah. Super Killer Base. Super Star. What? Yeah, Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base. But uh, no, no, I think there's a, there's that suspension of disbelief. For me, honestly, the only criticism I have is. Is something that's like hasn't actually happened. Just make the payoff good. Like if the payoff is bad on all these, you that's not like it's a, it's not good. You so think uh, by end of season one, uh, either Ed Harris or uh, Anthony Hopkins are still going to be around. Like one of them will go. One of them's going to go. You can't right. afford both their their budgets on I something think- like this. Really, Ed I think Harris. Both, I think they'll both be there at the end of season one. Ed you Harris think? is famous mm-hmm. enough, Troy. Ed he's, Harris is famous. Yeah, famous. but more than James Martin. Yeah. Yeah. No. I would uh, say so. Yes. Harris. Well, Ed yeah. Harris yeah. is probably. I would have to say yes. Huh. The only reason why I'm looking at it is like I think those are two like, and we see it in this episode. It literally felt like in episode five they sat in the middle of the table and it was like an unmovable force between the unmovable object sort of thing, to the point where even he was challenged. You know, and the man in black challenged Ford, 
and Teddy, be, I don't know if because of either A, programming, or B, if Ford was making him, stopped the knife in particular. And that, that was a super kind of, cool. it was a crazy yeah. no, no, scene. Hopkins made him because he tapped him on the chest and then revitalized him. You you know the like when Teddy left well, it, he, I thought, he was I thought not. Te- oh, okay. He, he was, wasn't. He he they, he redid his programming and said, "Here's Teddy with full blood, no wounds," hmm. and he didn't have to take him and pe- patch him up again. Hmm. Um, this is tinfoil hat, but I think Dolores kills the man in black. Yeah, that's her. It's good because so the thing, the whole arc with the man in black, and the whole arc with Dolores. Dolores is looking to get out of the park and like regain her humanity. The man in black is looking for an actual challenge and looking for the end game. I think it's that would romanticize both of their endings where the man in black gets killed in the park and actually sees a real life Westworld where Dolores breaks through from her chains, kills a guest, and becomes a real human being. A quote unquote a real a real human. So he's on a suicide mission almost. No, he doesn't know it, but I think that's that's how they're gonna play off the ending. Well, and I think that it's... Do you think know, he'll find the maze? Or I think both of them will find the maze. Well, what's where the, she'll kill him. The little yeah. girl in particular kind of intrigued me. Like, Lawrence's daughter, apparently, who knew a lot more information than, I guess, she was let on. Because she knew where the maze was and sent the man on black on his journey. And also knew Dolores in a particular previous life. And when she says, like, you know me. You've been here already. I thought that was kind of interesting that she knew both those particular kind of characters that she actually kind of mentioned, too. Right, right. Yeah. But I so, think that if, like, going off of what Jesse was talking about really quickly, if the man in black dies in this episode, uh, in this kind of season, then I'm, it would be really difficult to see where season two, if anything, goes. Well, that's when the park goes to shit. Like, right. once all of the, the park members start going crazy, then you've got a show. Like, right. you've got more, right. another part of the show. Right. And you can almost do, like, so then you have to find out more about Dolores. You know, like... I think the biggest mystery of this show is who's Arnold. Yeah. Arnold is... He's the center. He's literally... The, uh, the, we were talking about this, again, kind of before we started recording. That was a great line that... Um, when le- legend becomes fact, you print the legend. And so, is Arnold a fictional character that was made up that, you know, he... Hopkins happened to have a photo of him with just some arbitrary dude... Is he a real person? Is he an android? Is like what is he? Who is he? Is he a thing? Um, and so you could almost get to the end of the show and just make season two about Arnold, and then season three is about the park going to shit, and now you have three seasons. You know, like hmm. I, I think that you can expand this very, very easily. Going back to our uh, Bioshock analogy, it could just be uh, Hopkins' character is Atlas. And then reveals that he's right. not actually Atlas. I think Hopkins is Arnold, personally. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think I, I think, think Arnold possibly. is a AI that he made and then helped assist him in making everything. Ah, that's nice that's, too. That's my theory: is that I, he made an AI and something happened with that. I th- mm. I think I think going off of I think Bernard is Arnold. He just doesn't know it. Oh, I think Bernard's an AI. Yeah, but I think like, Bernard's without... Arnold in particular because hmm. of the letters of the names I was talking about before and because that he had mentioned in particular that A I don't know how but I guess it was pretty easy for the Ford but Ford knows everything was going on there was a particular kind of Skype session that he has with his wife quote unquote he has a loss of a kid and how he's getting really really close with Dolores and he's giving Dolores stories and treating Dolores like it's his kid 
the mm. D name that you were kind of talking about before, so it's already ABCD. So I think it was really interesting to see that if he put either the consciousness or if he figured it out of, you know, Ford and Arnold figured it out, Arnold kind of made a suicide, or I'm not entirely sure about that part, but he then, like, uploaded everything and then created Bernard. Bernard doesn't know anything. He had no idea about Arnold. He had no idea about any of the other stuff. But then at the same time, Logan knew that there was another person who committed suicide. So there's a huge disconnect that somebody outside the company knows that there is, but somebody inside the company had no idea he even had a part. Well, to be fair, Logan's trying to buy the place. Yeah, but you at least know something of it. If you work there, you're the second in command. Right, but I thought he was... I, I didn't know he's not second in command. Yeah, he is. No, he isn't. He's under the, uh, the executive check. At least that's a separate that's a separate entity that like that's a different company coming in. No, no, no. The, the executive is like the CEO or the CFO or something. Oh, I thought I thought yeah, I thought she Bernard's, even said that somebody Bernard's, else comes like Bernard's like he's, he's head of R and D or yeah like he's he's not he's not an executive. Um, I don't know. I like that's the other thing that's really cool about the show is that like. We also haven't been introduced to the fact, and I think they will, because I think it's a very effective storytelling element, that some of the people that work behind the scenes are androids. They're synths. Like, they, it's going to be revealed that there's people that are doing this that are synths. And how does that shake up the quote-unquote human world? I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think the the Arnold storyline is a great mystery, but I feel like it's almost going to come down to it is going to be a myth that Arnold doesn't actually exist, but they're implant there's somebody else working behind the scenes who's implanting like we saw in this last episode the antenna in their arm, Whoa. and then yeah. doing the other things like implanting these thoughts that are sending them down different paths hmm. away from their programming. So I think there's somebody else behind the scenes, and that Arnold is a myth. I think it's Hopkins. Well, I, then who do you think um, Dolores was talking to in the scene in which Ford and Dolores was talking and she said that I haven't told him anything, he doesn't know anything? Hopkins. Whoever's... No, he already left. No, but I think that's when she was I talking like, to him through the wall. As huh? a ref- I think it was a reaffirming thing where he was still in earshot. Oh. Uh. Well, he already had left at that point, though, that's why. Well, yeah. see, he, it wasn't that long after, so that's plausible. But I feel like it's probably going to be somebody else. Like like I said, with Bioshock, it's... You were pretending to be Atlas, but you're actually Fontaine. Right. Like, this is... You're putting on this personality that you're Arnold, and you're speaking to these androids, but it's actually somebody else within the company who has some kind of malicious intent. Well, we don't even... I mean, Arnold what we know hasn't even been malicious. I mean, what bad has he done? Mm. That's true. Which, I mean, again, he could become an antagonist at some point. They haven't quite defined who that character is. And this is, this is again, going to my criticism, that's all about payoff. I think we'll find out more, like, we'll find a significant more amount about Arnold as the season goes on, especially episode 9 and 10. Yeah. Uh, well, going by Game of Thrones, probably episode 9. Well, that'll yeah. be a big reveal. <laughs> yeah. Battle okay. of the androids. Right, exactly. So I think that, I think that's when we're going to find out more, but I don't think we're going to find out that whole story. So. Okay. Jesse, you have another tinfoil theory? Uh, I actually, I keep thinking about it. It's not my tinfoil theory. I read it online right before we started doing the podcast, and now it's really bothering me, is that there's two timelines in effect. One, which is 
40 years ago with William and his friend. And then the other one, which is the modern day, which is where, like, older Anthony Hopkins and the man in black, and that's all those guys Mm -hmm. actually living. And that William is potentially a younger version of the man in black. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I've been thinking a lot about it during this whole podcast thing, and it's definitely (laughs) doable. Mm Because those guys haven't... The only people that they've interacted with are the the robots. Like, they've met with uh, Teddy, and they met with Dolores, Dolores and they met Maeve. with, like, Maeve. They haven't met any of the, quote, quote, modern timeline characters. And that's really bothering me now, that that's, that's a possibility. That, And it also explains why one of the characters who... I, I've been thinking about it. The, the guy who's in the all-black outfit in the modern day that... Uh, and Harris's character goes yeah. and like rescues from jail looks almost exactly like the other dude who's in the older timeline and it's like wow that that really could be a thing yeah. you mean the outlaw with the scar on his yeah, back yeah yeah who looks almost exactly like what's what's the name of the his friend Logan Logan, Logan thank you yeah well it's so that was a theory that I, um, I had heard from a particular kind of podcast that I listened to about two, three weeks ago. And ever since I heard that theory, I'm like, shit. Shit. That's, that's, now, really, that's all I'm yeah, going to be looking it's into. It's all I can think of now. This most recent episode, episode five. It reestablishes that. It, re- it firmly reestablishes that because at one point, we never saw the, the modern time, um, the actual what was happening. We never saw Lauren's character kind of talking with anybody else or anything at all. Or why, you know, kind of ask these questions, you know, how does the man in black know Dolores so well? How does the man in black know Teddy so well? How does he know all this stuff here? He's never meet these people. And when he first, I think it was episode one, when the man in black kind of introduced himself to Dolores, he said, we've been through this. Let's go back to the beginning. And Dolores are having these visions that she's jumping back and forth between times. He has a lot of sights, in which case we think she's in one timeline, but she actually may be in another timeline because they don't age. It also, too, makes it like, why would you even make it so that the show, the theme park is there for 35 years, that Mm -hmm. it's been there for a long time? Why would you even want to imply that sort of thing other than the fact that they're trying to make it a lot like Disney World and Disneyland being old? But, I mean, I guess it just, yeah, it reestablishes that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's crazy to think that, um, though 30 years, because a lot of people talked about when William was on the train, the logo that he was on the train kind of coming into Sweetwater was very, very old and very different. And then when they kind of jumped back into the timeline of Ed Harris or the man in black character, it was fine. It was much more modern. And even when Ed um, Harris' characters, when they were looking for the woman with the red tattoo, mm-hmm. they were at the campfire and the guy comes up to her, or they come up to him and says, hey, you saved my sisters. And like he cut him off there because we now know going back in time, Ed, like William was trying to go up in this particular kind of country. Actually, I'm not sure. I just thought of a fluke in this. The father. So, Who's father? Uh, Abernathy. Mm-hmm. He gets taken away and replaced with the other guy with the mustache. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the past timeline, when Dolores and her family gets killed, wasn't that the mustache father? We don't we don't know in the past timeline because William wasn't there, so we don't know what time that they were portraying at the time or not. Well, her family gets slaughtered in the let's say hypothetical past timeline. Mm-hmm. Was that happens every well, day? Though. Yeah, that's that's her loop. Yeah, that's her loop. Yeah, but do you don't you see her family get slaughtered in that timeline? No, mm-hmm. no. You just hear the shots. And you then hear the you shots. See her outside the house. Ah, okay. 
Yeah, because then, because then you know then Dolores gets dragged up to the barn like the man in black yep. did, like the other guy in which um, Dolores first kills somebody yep. or kills a host um, for that particular one. So it's interesting. I mean, it's a huge like this one here in particular when they introduce because I, I was sitting there like who the hell is El Lazo? And then Lawrence, like he kills Lawrence for the blood to kind of revitalize and get you know Teddy back up on his feet, and he's like, don't worry about him, they'll come collect him, and they collect them, put him back in his loop, and his loop is actually Elazo talking about the the previous timeline that he just had introduced. It's, that just blew me away. I think me. I think that's gonna be regardless we go multiple timeline or not, that's gonna be the most interesting point where where are they gonna meet, where and when. You know, like, cause it's it clearly it, we're 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 in a head-on collision between Dolores and the Man in Black, and where where they meet is gonna be incredible, mm-hmm. or it should be, it should be hopefully. <laughs> if it's not, that that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, be good. It'll be good. We need a good climax. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have any final thoughts on uh, this first half of the season? It's one of the better shows on TV. Oh, I would say it's up yeah. there with Game of Thrones. Like easily. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. an, it's it's still early, but I it, mean, it drew me in. Right Game away. of Thrones episode one was phenomenal, and I think I looked. I, we watched it again. I think it was either you or one of you guys. We had watched it again, and like the episode one was so. I think we watched it again because I, I didn't. It realize was after Rado's wedding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it was so mind boggling. All these things that they just they just already planted so many seeds for so many years. Of stuff that's happening um, that we you never fully appreciate until actually all the stuff comes out. So that was pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's one of the kind of the better shows um, by far um, on TV. Also, because I don't think there's too much that I'm I'm watching else. Nope, not nothing. Else. I don't know that there's anything else this exciting. Not just, yeah, no. not not like this. Maybe no, it's been pretty lackluster. Yeah. Um, so what what do you want to do for grades, Josh? What do you think? Uh, what are we doing? Letter grades? Yeah, we do letter grades. Mm, this first part of the season, I'll give an A. Any reasons why not an A plus? Uh, I. The only reason I wouldn't give it a plus is just because. It there's still too many questions to be answered, and I feel like if the second half of the season does that, then. That'll definitely earn my A+, plus if it, it can stay on par. But, like you said, you have some concerns about the payoff, about the end. So there's so many storylines and so many timelines open that it's a little concerning. Um, but overall, there's not much to complain about here. I want to just say verbatim what Josh said. <laughs> a, and for literally the same reasons. <laughs> Um, I also give it an A. Um, the only kind of couple things I've said is like, I really hope they go back and, much like you guys said about the payoff, I just hope they go back and make sure they talk about those the photo that um, that was introduced because it wasn't something that just be kind of brushed over. Mm. Also, the gun that um, Dolores found that was buried and then all, sometimes, uh, all of a sudden kind of disappeared and then we don't know if it's going to come back because it was in her like drawer at some point and we don't know if that's a gun that actually can hurt humans or not. 
So that's a huge other question mark that I'm Wasn't looking at. Wasn't that the gun she used that was in the hay? Nope, that's the... That was that's good. She stole. Oh, she pulled it out. Yeah, okay. she stole that one. So, I mean, that's another thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for those two pieces that hopefully they kind of come back to it and they kind of talk about it because if there's somebody smuggling data out of the... That was another question I had, but somebody smuggling data out of the park, I'm wondering why. Um, so I'll give it an A for that one here. Is that the same gun? That's the same gun that she stole. Yeah, that's the one that she had... Like, hidden away. Yeah. That's not the game she, same gun she had hidden away, because that disappeared when she pulled it out. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there's that whole scene where she, like, pulls the drawer out, and then I think she puts it back, and then she pulls it out again, and it's gone. Yep. I would also give it an A, by the way. <laughs> Any reason why not an A+. Plus? Um, I find some scenes get a little too rambly, particularly Anthony Hopkins scenes, but... He does a good job with it, and granted, if I had Anthony Hopkins in my pocket, I would probably have him say some really poetic stuff for a while, too. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's what you do with Anthony Hopkins, but sometimes I get bored with it. Um, and that's really it. That's, even that, it's still a near-perfect show. There you go. I mean, and you got pretty close. Pretty close to perfect yeah. here. Yeah, it's, it's doing well. It's yeah. doing well. I just, I just hope back, because it, just, it does feel like from episode one to episode five... That episode one, they were they were really setting up a lot of questions. Episode five was like, okay, let's start telling you about some of the stuff that we've been already setting up. So it just feel like a really different feel for both of those two. Uh, I'm very close. I'm very close to an A+. Plus. I just really hope that they talk about some of the stuff that some characters we haven't seen before. Uh, we haven't seen yet, sorry. Um, we haven't seen in a while. Um, but it will be interesting to see that, you know, when Maeve it looks like she's regularly kind of wakes up and like wants to talk to Felix and wants to talk to one of these beings or gods on which the people in the park feels like they are. That's going to be an interesting, like, where does that go? And if Felix is even going to kind of bring that up and talk about it, because um, if like the woman that's from behavior can record, and clearly there's recorded video of stuff, and I'm wondering if that's something that's going to be... I thought that that was actually, I forgot to mention this in my wins, was the the fact that she had those drawings of the people in the suit, and then the, the, like... Native American quote unquote mm. uh, characters the had those like little dolls or like statues, and yeah. they knew of it. I thought that was really cool. Like, there's all these kind of cool, almost, uh, I like fourth dimension busting kind of uh, things that just pop up throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's similar to the music, where it's like oh, that's a Radiohead song, or oh, that's The Cure, or like, you know, all those things just being thrown in throughout. I think that's a really big win because that's really cool, and it's like, it just shows that these characters have an awareness, but they don't know it. Yeah. I mean, how crazy to think that, like, you're freaking out, and this first thing that ever happened to you before, that you start drawing the string, trying to rem- uh, remember it from your memory, and then you pull open, like, under your bed, or you pull open, like, a freaking, like, uh, the floorboards, and she has tons of these drawings before. I would be scared shitless before. And I'm like, I, uh, I, I know what? I know what this that reminds is. me of, and I don't know if any of, it, any of you guys have seen it, um, but Doctor Who, there is a character in there. Um, I stopped watching the Doctor Who. There's a particular alien that when you look at them, you can see them and they like freak out, but as soon as they're out of your eyesight, you forget that you saw them. Hmm. So they exist everywhere, like they're all underground and like they come up every once in a while to like feed and stuff. 
and there's this really interesting storyline with them, but you forget that they were there as soon as you look away from them. Hmm. What's the name of the character? Because if it has anything to do with Maeve, I'd be really excited. <laughs> uh, what are they called? Hold on. I know what you're talking about. I forget yeah. It's like the opposite of a weeping angel. Right. Oh, the weeping angels are scary, too. Yeah, that's... That's actually... I've only watched, like, maybe five episodes of Doctor Who, and that's the only one that I've ever really, like, sat down and watched. Anywho, want to wrap it up? I really yeah. want to know what this is called. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for, uh... Josh, whenever we get Josh gets a chance. But any other final thoughts, Mike? I'm good. Show's been awesome. Jody? <laughs> have, we, have we sold it on you yet? You should watch it. Watch it. Heck, ah. I'm half watching it right now. They're called The Silence. The Silence? Yeah. They don't say anything. They're like these weird looking gray aliens in suits. And uh, as soon as you look away from them, you forget that you saw them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, with that, we're going to round off the show. Uh, we say thank you so much for kind of listening to us. Feel free to email us. We have downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. We do a bunch of kind of live tweets uh, of our Reddit at, at underscore DIFP. That's at underscore downinfrontpodcast. We have a Reddit at downinfront.reddit.com. And we're also on Stitcher. And also, as a, one of the side projects that I do, we uh, I do a lot of uh, wine kind of reviews and kind of pairings and food tastings as well. Um, that's going to be called at FriendsWBlends on Twitter. So kind of check that out. What about you, Mike? Uh, you can check me out. Uh, we have seven fans on Facebook. Uh, my News Music. Facebook.com uh, <laughs> slash My News Music. Uh, some sweet punk rock that you'll hate. Yeah. Uh, Jesse? Uh, I'm Jesse. Mm-hmm. Bye. I don't have a I don't have a band or an Instagram or a Twitter. A I don't even have Twitter. I don't even use Do you Twitter. The Instagram. The Instagram is that. Uh, what about you, Josh? <laughs> um, I guess I could give a shout out to myself. If you want to play uh, any hockey or Gears of War, add me on Xbox Live. I am Rad Scorpion. If like you're looking for an easy win. Add Josh. He's not very good. I said, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or I'll give a shout out to uh, Dom Mahoney because we were just talking to him last night and give a shout out to his podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, Wicked Good Gaming. Yes. They are. Go to his website. We're trying to have a crossover sometime soon that we talk about games and they'll, especially they'll, me. They'll definitely be on here sometime soon. Yeah. Well, especially because they are a huge fan of Westworld. So whenever we get a chance to do like the season finale, we'll probably see if we can get them on here. Uh, Jody, you can close the words? Goodbye. Ah, all right. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.